Hello. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are tuning in from the world. Um, just a quick update, guys. Um, bear with me with my Scottish accent if you're from other parts of the world, because I'm now seeing um, on a platform that we're, we're in multiple countries, which I thank you so much um, for listening to us. But just to let you know that we have got NFL UK's very own Roger Goodgroves, who is one of the best officiating experts of NFL and amateur American football in the UK, part of the podcast. So we asked Roger to come on and we're going to do a segment on the podcast that we talk about everything that's happened on the the, the Monday night football, the Thursday and then into the Sunday. But I think Roger deserves better than that. So what we've decided as a team is that Roger will have his own stand-alone section on the podcast. So every Tuesday, Roger will dissect what's happened over the weekend. He'll break down plays. Um, it will be between myself, Suk and Gareth. And then on the Tuesday night... The flagship show will be recorded, which is myself, Gareth and Suk, and that will be released on the Wednesday or the Thursday. But absolutely buzzing to have Roger as part of the show. His knowledge when it comes to officiating and his attention to detail is second to none. So, Roger, I welcome you to the podcast. For our fans, check out Roger Goodrobes. I mean, he's an integral part of the NFL UK community. You you won't you won't miss him if you're part of it. You know he's he's one of the most outspoken, beautiful guys out there. Um, I love him. I'm so happy to have him on the podcast, um, and I'm so excited to see what Roger brings to the podcast because every week there is a fishy in nightmares, and Roger is absolutely the man to ask why did that happen. Again, guys. Enjoy the podcast and speak to you soon. Good afternoon and welcome to the Roger Goodgroves officiating section. We're here to discuss all the key moments in week three. I remember, Roger, last week we were just talking about how week two was quiet. Not quite uh, the same this week. No, there were a few controversial players, which is always good. Always good to have a discussion. Yeah, very good to have a discussion, unless uh, you're my son, who's a who's a Rams fan. But you know, <laughs> that we'll uh, we'll um, he, he's still too young to sort of understand um, a lot a lot of it, to be honest. So for him, it's just it's just the crushing defeat. But obviously, you know, we'll talk about sort of the manner in how you know this was done, um, but. Obviously, initially, you know, a lot of a lot of this week uh, and something that we've not brought up in the first sort of two weeks of us doing the officiating section is sort of these contested catches. And my, we had quite a number of them. Uh, it's unusual, isn't it? We don't, we don't get them very often. And then we have two in the same week. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they knew we were going to do the podcast and we needed something to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's a couple of crazy um, ones to talk about. The first one we'll, we'll discuss is the Falcons and Bears one. So for those of you who, who didn't watch the game, um, so 
the the score is uh, Bears ten, Falcons twenty six. Mitch Trubisky, um, his NFL career is effectively um, sitting on the bench now because uh, Nick Foles comes in in the third quarter uh, to replace him. Pretty much one of his sort of first sort of set of uh, plays. Um, you know, as a Bear six six twenty into the third quarter, Nick Foles throws a beat of a pass to Allen Robinson. Um, Caught by Alan Robinson, so supposedly, and the ruling on the field by the officials is given a touchdown. But uh, what ends up happening, Roger? Well, that's correct. It was called on the field <laughs> as a touchdown. So uh, we need to start looking at something we talked about before and the controversial, what is a catch? So if we take, again, use the, the analogy, English definitions, if I catch the ball, then basically I can have it in my hands. I've caught the ball. But that's not what caught means in the rules of the game. In order to catch a ball, you need to have control. And then in the NFL, two feet down or another body part. So in this particular example, we get um, something called simultaneous possession comes into play. And so simultaneous possession means if two people catch the ball at the same time, it's simultaneous. And if that case happens, then it goes automatically to the offense who had the ball already. So the defense have got to trump the, the call, basically. Now, yeah. that's, that's the theory. However, it is really rare to have simultaneous possession. Because in order to have the possession part, you need to have the catch. And in order to have the catch, you have to have the control of the ball and two feet or a body part in bounds. So this particular play is another great one for us to discuss because both players are jumping into the air. So one of the players, Robinson, takes the ball in his hands. I'll avoid using the word catches the ball because that's what most people would describe yeah. it as, but it's not. He takes the, the ball in the air. However, while he's in the air, the defender grabs hold of the ball as well. However, as they're falling to the ground, the defender's feet come down and he touches two feet onto the ground. The receiver, who's still in the air, then comes head over heels and hits the ground behind, mm -hmm. then relinquishes control of the ball. So the guy that's left with the ball at the end of the play is the defender. Now, some people say, well, was it because he ended up with the ball in his hands? Not necessarily, but he did mm -hmm. complete the catch. He had the control of the ball at the same time as the other guy was in the air, and then he had two feet on the ground, and then time or surviving the ground. And he did both of those. He had time, and he went to the ground, and he kept hold of it. So that is why it was ruled as going to the receiver, because he completed the catch process. So it wasn't just the fact that he had hands on it in the air. They both had hands yeah. on it in the air. One of them came down to the ground with his feet, and therefore completed the catch, and then survived the continuing motion that then happened. So that one was correctly, I believe, overturned, because if you look at it in slow motion, you do see that they both went up in the air, the defender comes down, both holding the ball, but he then contacts the ground with his two feet first, and survives then the, the ensuing action when they both go to the ground. So I think it yeah. is correctly overturned in that example. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that, I mean, it was a great play by Denard, but Robinson, you can see as they're sort of falling, you know, to the ground, Robinson isn't sort of on the ground, is he, at the time? Denard is no. there first, and yeah. Robinson's almost 
on top of him holding him, him up really yeah. him, <laughs> holding him up yeah so <laughs> in a way he, he kind of you know forced an odds there to sort of make that play in a way as well um it's just interesting, obviously, because of the on-field call, how yes. rare it's for that to get overturned. In, in yeah, you've got normally to have... with this 50-50. Yeah, assume... exactly. And then you've got to have clear yeah. evidence to overturn. But there was yeah. clear evidence. If you actually slow yeah. it down, the two are in the air with the ball. However, one of them comes down with his feet first and then continues to keep hold of that ball through that process. So it was exactly. clear that he did actually maintain control. The other guy lost it. So yeah. that, that, unfortunately, that's why it was overturned. Yeah, or exactly. Depending on which team you're supporting. <laughs> but once again, I mean, it, it didn't cost the Bears because the Falcons still ended up doing what the Falcons <laughs> have been doing for the last... I mean, we've been talking about it for the last uh, two podcasts um, alone. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate for the Falcons there. But Absolutely. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think when you do break it down and you see that slow motion, once again, of Robinson on top of Denard. I think that sort of sums up, uh, and, and I agree with you, Roger, I think definitely um, it's exactly why we have these sort of, uh, you know, replay boosts for when a touchdown is, is made, because for, for these reasons, you know... Um, yeah, it is an ideal one for replay, because trying to judge that in real time is not easy. It's impossible, and that obviously goes... Uh, is made obvious judging by what, what the uh, initial calling was. But, you know, there we go. Um, well done, officials, for that one. The Well, well done, replay <laughs> officials, for that one, yeah. Well done, replay <laughs> officials. Yeah, sorry, I must uh, must correct that. Well done, replay <laughs> officials and, and TV cameras. Um, the next game we're going to talk about, now there's quite a number of incidents in this one, so I don't even know where to start, but I guess well, let's, we'll let's try... Start, and, yeah. Let's start with the contested... Contested catch because it runs sure. naturally from one to the other. So you, you yeah. set it up though. Yeah. So um, from what I recall, it's uh, third quarter. Josh Allen has the ball in his own half. It's first and twenty, and rather than just you know a little dink pass or give it to your running back, Josh Allen decides to deep throw it to Tyler Croft. Um, Tyler Croft appears to have got possession of the ball. Um, and then John Johnson at the same time um, seems to just grab hold of it. And this reminded me of my two boys, to be honest, uh, when I have to break <laughs> up a fight between them because literally they were just fighting for that little toy, weren't they? <laughs> yes, they were that's holding how, on for dear goes. life. Yeah, exactly. So uh, nice memories, that one, of, uh, yeah. of uh, you know, thinking of my two boys there. But, um, yeah, your thoughts on this one, Roger? Okay, so if we, if we then break down what happened in the other one and then look at this play, there are very similar circumstances. Two players jump up for the ball. Both players grab it whilst in the air. Now, this is where I disagree with what was called on the field in comparison with what replay did on the other play, which is... They both come down almost simultaneously. And I mean that as in it's fractional between the two and you really have to slow the video down in order to try and determine who actually gets two feet down first. Now, in that circumstance, I would say the default position would be that the offensive people should retain that possession unless it was clear that the other team came down with it like in the end zone 
However, and this is where it gets complicated, the ruling on the field was that the defender came down and maintained possession of that ball. So he got down first with that possession. Um, so he controlled it, got two feet down, and maintained that control afterwards. Um, now, because it was ruled that the, receipt, that the sorry, the defender got the ball, when it goes to replay, you then got to have clear and obvious evidence to overturn it. Now, as I said earlier, they came down almost instantaneously. So it's not yep. clear and obvious that somebody else had the different play than what was called on the field. And therefore, replay rightly when that play has to stand as called yeah. because we don't have anything clear that overrides exactly. what was already there. Now, to be fair to the official on the field, I mean, we look at it on video and we say, you know, it wasn't clear that. But he may have had a view that we didn't have. He was slightly further around, more um, watching the two players side on to each other and therefore may have seen something we didn't. We don't know. And that's why replay yeah. can't overturn because you know, the officials are there and they're there to do a job and you know, they're making their best effort at it. Most of the time, you know, 95% of the time, they're getting good calls. And yeah. unless we have something to say that they didn't get a good call, then we have to assume that they were there to make that call and did make that call. And that's what happened so that the call um, stood on the field. Now, yeah. a little bit of consolation for, um, for the Bills uh, in this particular uh, scenario. Just before they both went up to contest this catch, the Bills tight end pushed away the defender. So there was already right. a flag on the play for OPI. So even yeah. if he had have caught it with control and two feet down before the other guy did, he wouldn't have kept it. So if exactly. any consolation to the Bills people, that wouldn't have been a catch regardless. Exactly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, maybe if he had court possession, you know, a penalty is far less... Yeah, they would have retained yeah. possession of the ball. Yeah, as it was a, a couple of plays later, I think the um, the other team threw it away and got an interception. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it mattered the overall no. flow of the game, um, particularly. But uh, yes, it, uh, sure. So if Croft exactly, so if Croft was to have got the ball, and, and let's say they ruled him in favour of Croft, but obviously he got the penalty. Yep. They're already first and twenty. So, what would have been the how how far would they have had to go back then? From yeah, so they they've gone back further, and it has still been a first down. So it would been a really long. Um, it would still be a long first down, but from further yeah. back, um, you know. So the chances of them converting from something plus twenty yards is rare. You know, they keep bringing up these game probability percentages. Uh, I, yeah. I don't, know, don't know the ones for teams going first and 25 or first and 30. I don't know what they are, but I know they're, they're yeah. high. Any team that gives up five yards on a, a false start, you know, they're already up against it. So to, to have to go 30 yards is a, uh, a hard one for them. So exactly. they have, they've got it anyway. So if it's any yeah. to the Bills fans. True, but um, they, they'd argue that Josh Allen has that arm and, you know, he's... He's shown at first and 20 that he could throw, you know, such a deep front ball. So you never know. But at the end of the day, the Bills got the win. Um, sorry, spoiler alert there. Um, <laughs> but obviously, uh, another play in the same game was the incident involving uh, the Josh Allen fumble and Aaron Donald. Now, yeah, probably, so, I've seen you comment on it, Roger. On, uh, yeah, so, on so Josh media. Allen... 
Josh Allen, not only does he have an arm, he has a big mouth on him as well. <laughs> and it cost him and the team. So what, what you had there is Aaron Donald came through uh, the line whilst Josh Allen was still in the pocket. And what happened was that Josh Allen pulled the shoulder of Allen around the horse collar sort of tackle area and disrupted him, making him fumble the ball, which then the, the Rams recovered. Now, Josh Allen uh, was appealing to the referee for a horse collar tackle. And yeah. it meets the criteria for horse collar tackle if he wasn't in the pocket. Now, the purpose of a horse collar tackle rule is to prevent certain types of injury. So if you imagine you're running away from me and I come up and grab your collar and I pull you down backwards, that has great torsion on, on your neck, um, back muscles, and your leg is crippling underneath you. And yeah. to avoid that type of injury that was becoming more prominent, um, all levels of football have brought horse collar tackles in to um, stop that particular action. However, there is an exception to the horse collar tackle rules in, um, and it doesn't just apply to the quarterback here. Um, basically, the, the exception applies to the runner going in between the tackles or the quarterback who's in the pocket still. And basically, you can't have a horse collar tackle even if they grab around the horse collar. In principle, a number of them, but generally you're not getting that torsion that normally happens when somebody pulls in that way backwards. Um, and secondly, it's very difficult in a close line play to actually not just stick an arm out and, and pull something. Um, yeah. They don't rule it within the tackle box or within the pocket. So um, unfortunately, he, he didn't like the call. He didn't like the fact he didn't get that horse collar tackle. And he um, complained to the referee rather vociferously. Exactly. Just a bit of uh, immaturity there on his part, but I think uh, you know the Bills at that point were looking as if they were going to you know mess this game up. So I, I guess at that point, even though he probably knew you know the, the play was legal. You know, from his perspective, he just needed something to sort of scream yeah, and shout out. About I mean, you'd like, to, you'd like to hope he knows the rules to that extent. But to be fair, most players don't know the, the exceptions to the rules. So they see yeah. the, the hand grabbing what would be a horse collar area. They think, therefore, horse collar tackle. They just haven't seen the exception in the rule that said doesn't apply in these yeah. circumstances. So, exactly. Uh, no, it's like yeah, no, it's like you say, like, it's difficult sometimes... Um, there's so many rules and obviously they're changing every year as well. Uh, obviously, this is an obvious one, but I remember one that sprung to mind um, and, and I need to sort of remember this one now because it's in my head. It, it was a Raiders um, return touchdown. and I, I need to recall this one. It's gonna, it's pro I'm not going to remember it, but for next week, I'm definitely going <laughs> to... Find it for next week. Send me a link and I'll talk to you yeah. about it. Definitely going to bring it up because I remember just being absolutely amazed. I'm sure it was against like the 49ers or something a couple of years back, but I'll uh, I'll try and remember that. But um, going back to the Rams and um, Bills game, so the Rams come back into it and uh, I've actually taken the lead. Um, you know, in the game, they the the Bills, I believe it was third and 22, um, managed to sort of get the ball into the offensive half um, and it's fourth and eight. Uh, they're trailing by four in the fourth quarter. Um, Josh Allen with a um, 
throw headed for the rookie Gabriel Davis. Um, it seems prior to the ball being thrown, Gabriel Davis and Darius Williams are having sort of a bit of a tug of war on each other. Um, before the ball is actually released, they seem to come off each other and the ball heads towards uh, Gabriel Davis, but he doesn't quite get there. Flag is thrown. Controversy here, given uh, defensive pass interference. What's your take on this, Roger? Okay, so let, let's again break down what's allowed and what isn't allowed in this circumstance. So the NFL has slightly different blocking rules for defensive backs than college football does. In college football, you can start blocking somebody running down the field and you can keep blocking them all the way down the field until either they're past you or the ball is in the air. Um, However, in the NFL, you can't. You only have the first five yards that you can start to jam somebody at the line. So if you look at where this play starts, it actually starts around the 12-yard line, which is the line yeah. of scrimmage. So the defending player is allowed to jam the player and keep contact with him only until the 7-yard line. He then must let go and stop blocking him and then give him a free chance to go for the ball. So what you actually see is that the player in, the defensive player engages with the offensive player um, after about three yards off the line of scrimmage, but then continues and doesn't release until about the four-yard line. So we have what's called their illegal contact. Now, illegal contact can turn into a DPI depending on whether the ball is in the air or not. So if that he just had that and the quarterback hadn't yet thrown it yet, then it would be an illegal contact because he carried on past the five yards that he's allowed to do and still was riding the player deeper. So if the ball, though, was in the air after that initial five yards, that illegal contact turns into a defensive pass interference because you're now um, stopping the player having an opportunity to catch. second aspect of that same play is that the receiver is trying to have an outside route on this play. And the defender basically blocks his path. So he runs him off his route illegally while the ball is in the air. So you actually have two aspects to it in terms of the legal contact that turns into a defensive pass interference. And running somebody off your route is also a defensive uh, pass interference, um, specifically disallowed aspect. And so you mentioned earlier that the receiver couldn't get the ball because the ball was thrown to a particular area of the field rather than to the receiver as where he was. Yeah. So the receiver couldn't actually get to it. So whilst it looks like a little bit of a ticky-tacky call, you think, well, at this stage in the game, you know, you know, let them play, which is always the, you know, some people uh, throw out, you know, let the players yeah. play, let them decide the play. You can't illegally stop the player um, when he's trying to go downfield, you're only allowed to block for those first yard, five yards. And if the ball's in the air and you continue to do it after that, then it is, unfortunately, a foul. Now, it's a good step up by the official. He's actually a first-year official, as in first year in the NFL. So that's a big call in the big game. And you might look at it and think, oh, I should have let him play. But actually, he was right to call it. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting because a lot of... Um... A lot of sort of media officials, um, you, you know, anywhere on NFL Network are calling it sort of a controversial play. So you, you disagree on that then? Well, I disagree that it's, 
it's not that it's co- not controversial. It's controversial because of the time that it happened in the game. I don't yeah. think the call is particularly controversial. Although okay. I think you know there is an element. That, you know, was the receiver equally uh, pushing? He was trying to get to his roots, and the other guy walked in front of him. And you're not allowed to do that down the field. And that's really where it looks like he's pushing him because he's trying to go in a particular direction. The receiver basically stops him going where he's supposed to be going and he's not yeah. allowed to do that down after five yards. Interesting. So there you have it, Kira. Um, just a message from my boy. The Rams did deserve to lose that at the end. To be honest, if the Rams, uh, they had a couple of chances to stop them on third down, if they'd done that, we wouldn't even be having this talk. So at the end of the day, I think even some of the Rams players have said, uh, including uh, John Johnson, that you can't base the result on one play, you know. No, uh, there's a lot no, of other absolutely. aspects. Unfortunately, it's very easy when you're losing to try and look for a scapegoat. Um, yeah. and people will inevitably turn to the fish and say, if that had only gone our way rather than the other way, yeah. we'd have won the game, but you know. Yeah, I think it's because the Rams had obviously come back into the game after being behind so much. You know, everyone loves a, a good comeback story, don't they? In a fairy tale <laughs> sort of comeback, and then yeah, except the Falcons. Taken away. <laughs> yeah, except the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Falcons fans. I promise. Uh, you know, I hope to God we're not having to talk about you guys next week. And I honestly mean that in the most positive way. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the Rams and uh, Bills game uh, sort of done and dusted. Now, Roger, I, I must admit, because I was watching the Bucks uh, broncos game on Game Pass, that the second half of games, the 9pm starts, should we say, um, I only mildly followed um, sort of the red zone activity on there. But I haven't seen this play that you want to talk about in the Seahawks-Dallas game that you, you, you want to point out. Yeah, sure. Oh, what happened here is it's an interesting play from an officiating point of view and one that people looking at it um, as a, a viewer might be confused by. So I thought it might be good just to clear up what happened, what is allowed, what isn't allowed. So we have, again, another illegal contact. So if we go back to what we were talking about, the defensive player is allowed to block five yards down the field. After that, he's not allowed to push the defender off his route. Uh, even if the ball is in the air. It's not defensive pass interference, it's illegal contact. So Greg Olson um, comes downfield, goes for about five, seven, maybe ten yards, and then his secondary push from the defender. This makes him go towards the sideline, because he's pushed towards the sideline, and he steps on the boundary line. Then he carries on downfield and completes the pass at around the one half yard line, something around that sort of line. Um, right. So you've got two things that happen on the, on the thing. So the first thing is, one of the officials throws his hat on the play. Now, the hat on the play is an indication that a player usually has stepped out of bounds, and then there's also then a flag if they come back in and, t- and be the first to, to actually touch that. Um, so you've got a flag on Olsen for stepping out of bounds and then being the first to touch the pass. However, you had a flag from the other official because he saw Olsen pushed out of bounds, which was the illegal contact. Um, so because of the illegal contact forced Olsen out of bounds, therefore it's not illegal for him to then come back in, re-establish bounds and catch it. So it's illegal if he goes out on his own, comes back in, is the first to touch the pass. 
but because he was forced out, he's allowed to come back in, re-establish, and then catch the play. So you've got two different things that happen on the play. One, because of the foul against him, it makes the thing that he was accused of doing uh, legal. So it's an unusual one to look at, and you don't see it very often in that particular circumstance, but it's one worth um, sort of checking out on that on that potential touchdown pass. Why did he uh, get allowed to go out of bounds and come back in and without a penalty? I think. Interesting. So definitely we'll have to check one that out, but there you have it, an example of when someone is taking their hat off to someone and it being a negative rather than a positive, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly ruined that term, didn't they? But it's been an interesting week, as I say, with uh, officiating. And, you know, week two was quiet. Uh, we didn't know what we we're going to have week three. But, you know, we've definitely, I'm, I'm sure we could have talked for another hour or so about some of the play calling. Yeah, but plenty more games. Week, <laughs> yeah, week four will be interesting. Let's see what new... Um, New things come out, you know. Come out. I'm sure there'll be there'll be something to talk about. So, um, you know, I, I was in that situation last week where I was having that discussion with you, thinking we're not going to have anything to talk about. Uh, once again, <laughs> if if there isn't, if there is a lack of active, then we'll obviously talk about historic stuff. And I will try and find that um, Raiders play that I was uh, sort of referring to. Um, I know my friend Ollie will, uh, who's a big Raiders fan, will kindly remind me of the play that I'm thinking <laughs> I'm <sure>. of. <laughs> yeah, but you got any uh, plans for? Rest of the um, day or week, Roger? Uh, nothing particularly. I've got um, uh, some. I, I'm a referee in the UK, and I sit on the selection committee. So we're we're choosing our um, worldwide representatives for um, putting forward. So I'll be doing that this week. Um, Fantastic. So that, that's one of the things that's uh, happening before we get more games. Yeah. So what what's happening with the sort of UK games? I mean, I'm a uh, I sort of got into watching uh, the Leicester Falcons last year, um, albeit I know this is going to sound wrong, but it, Deshaun Watson came to Leicester last year. He was filming some sort of documentary and he visited the Leicester Falcons. Yep. And in, in a way, it, it kind of worked the marketing because as soon as Deshaun Watson came, me and my son was there every week. Thinking <laughs> we want to watch. No, not, we weren't expecting Deshaun Watson to be there every week, but we sort of got. Um, we started getting interested in watching, you know, our local team. So, you know, always encourage, you know, those of you who are keen followers of the NFL, when it's obviously possible, you know, it's not possible at the minute, but when you, when you do get the chance, definitely check out the grassroots game because, uh, you know, it's uh, some good talent there. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky here. and We have football all year round normally. So during yeah. the summer, we have like Leicester, Leicester Falcons playing. Um, but during the winter, we have the university teams playing. Uh, yeah. Normally, obviously, uh, non-COVID years. Um, so at the moment, there is a return to play um, document that's been agreed by the um, Culture, Media and Support um, body for American football. Um, but it does mean that there's nothing at the earliest until the new part of the year for a full contact. Mm. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some university teams that uh, have some in after uh, they come back in January, get some football in. And then hopefully then resuming with the uh, city and uh, town leagues uh, starting in the spring, March, April time. Fantastic. And, you know, we're certainly going to look forward to that, Roger. Uh, thank you once again for giving us an insight into some of these, uh, you know, calls. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely been an interesting week. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Roger. Take care, guys. Cheers, Sue. Bye.
Thanks, bye. Hi everyone, and this is Stuart Love from the 4th and in Inches podcast. And oh boy, have I got some news for you. The wait is finally over. Five Star Imports and Memorabilia is here. Our mission statement is simple. Provide a UK membership service for US memorabilia and merchandise for cost prices. We believe in five things that are very important to us. Exceptional customer service. We have brought together six of the UK's most respected and knowledgeable individuals to give you the best in memorabilia. We can and will go above and beyond to ensure our customers are always happy. Reliability. We pride ourselves on providing a truly dependable service. It's important that you can rely on us for high quality service and low costs. Trustworthiness. Like our customers, we too are collectors and we too care about our community. You can trust us to do the right thing by our customers and our community. Integrity. Honesty is very important to us. We are a limited company. The company house number is 12741003. We provide discounted memorabilia at an attentive, bespoke service. You can trust us to be transparent. Community spirit. Our community is ever-expanding and we care deeply about helping our community grow. We want to work with our customers to help our community flourish. If cost is king, then communication is queen. If you get in touch, we will respond. If you purchase from us, we will be transparent and accountable from start to finish. We can source top quality products from all the major US sports leagues. NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, MLS, NCAA. From some of the premier US websites such as Fanatics, Fanatics Authentic, Fans Edge, Sports Memorabilia, Steiner Sports, many of the club pro shops and much more. Not only can we provide cost prices, we can also offer up to 20% off on 99% of Fanatic products as standard. When we say cost prices, we mean cost prices. Cost is king. Our membership scheme is low price and gives our members a long list of benefits and right now it's on offer until September. So check out our brand new Facebook page group. It's www.facebook.com slash groups slash five star imports for details about our service, our prices and our team. With plenty of news to come, why wouldn't you want five star?